Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, we're continuing in our season, um, our summer series on kings and prophets. And I'm going to start today with our reading. It's from Hebrews um, chapter 5, um, starting at verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. As you have come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice. Solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by now, Paul doesn't talk about teething, but the transition from drinking milk to eating meat requires it. We first came to St. John's with two babies under the age of two. And as each baby has 20 teeth to grow, it did feel like we'd been stuck in this process for a really long time. For those in the room who have not had close contact with a teething child, or maybe forgotten, teeth come as a bit of a bombshell. So cute babies spend their first month um, in lovely gum-only innocence, only to be suddenly attacked. So to a grown-up watching, it was not only the obvious pain they were suffering, but it was the apparent sense of confusion, even panic. So they were yet to understand the promise of teeth, that they were on the brink of this awesome adventure and fun with cute smiles chomping down on food. And, and my two boys, they just stuck their fists into their mouth, trying to push these things back, these white intruders um, causing agony in their mouths. There was chaos. There was confusion. There was a steady torrent of drool and dribble and rash. And the most bewildering aspect was the bottom issues. They had sore bottoms. They made no sense. And all too often, life appears to be in this chaotic, incomprehensible, painful, teething phase where we can't see or perhaps we've lost sight of the promise that is to come. And Peter tells us that believers inherit every promise of God. And each of us has also had specific promises um, or desires that God has placed deep within our heart. The work spoken by a person, an anointed prayer that may have been prayed over you, a passage of scripture that's jumped out, a dream or a vision, or a word spoken by the still small voice of the Spirit that we've pondered and treasured and held on to. And in the chaos of waiting for the yet-to-be-fulfilled promises, in the grief, the suffering, the disappointment, St. Paul reminds us that the thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy those precious words and promises given to us. And in 1 Timothy he says, 
In accordance to the prophecy spoken over you, I charge you to fight the good fight. So Paul recognizes that there is this battle over God's promises for our lives. But he's explaining to Timothy, who he mentored, that the Holy Spirit would give him what was required to contend and to be victorious in battle. So going back to that passage in Hebrews that we started with, where Paul talks of grown men and women, i.e. those with teeth who are being sustained by meat, whose senses and mental faculties are trained, what is Paul trying to tell us? And I've been pondering over this. What does training the senses and mental faculties mean? How do we do this? And I think Paul means leaning, learning to focus on God's goodness rather than the bigger problems around us. Remembering testimonies of God's love and provision. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And focus on his goodness and remember God's love and goodness in all situations. Now, I've heard this preached and repeated in church my whole life. But I found the really biggest challenge was how to remember. How do we remember when we're faced with a downward spiral of emotions, fears, negative thoughts, when we're stuck in this chaos in difficult situations? How do we remember God's promises? And I'm sure most of you are familiar with the children's game Peekaboo, and we've played this a lot. So babies really love this. You close your eyes and the familiar face disappears and then reappears instantly, so Peekaboo. And at about six to 12 months, children begin to realize that when something disappears, they aren't gone forever. And this is a really important milestone for a child and it's called object permanence. And I'm so, so grateful that God took the trouble to teach me spiritual object permanence or teaching, teaching me how to remember. And let me just explain what I mean for this. Um, when I feel that God disappears out of my view or feel that he isn't in a particular situation, I need to grow up from being a baby that wails because his mother is out of the room or disappeared or gone around the corner to make food. And remember that just because I can't see God where or how I expect to see him, or where I saw him a moment ago, that he has not abandoned me. So I went back to work to a stressful job with two babies under the age of two, right in the thick of teething. We also had the added complication that our elder son was not well. At that time, not yet diagnosed with celiac disease. So being woken in the night eight to 10 times with a distressed child was an everyday event or every night event. And the exhaustion and confusion was, was overwhelming. So on my first day back at my desk, I was weeping inside, not sure I was safe to even drive to work, let alone do my job or be responsible for anything. And I heard God say quite simply and clearly, change your password. I hadn't been to work for two years, so nothing worked, and I obviously needed to reset my password. And I was running through flowers and numbers in my head trying to work out what I would choose when God said again, change your password. And then I saw flash before me the words, joyful expectation of good. 
Now, I was not joyful. <laughs> that was not how I was feeling at all. I was tired, overwhelmed, stretched too thin, exhausted, and hopeless. But I heard God quite clearly, and I'd not, not, not really able to think about anything else. So I typed it in, joyful expectation of good oh one. Now, my computer logs out every 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes, I had to type this back in, joyful expectation of good oh one. And I would mostly weep as I did this, feeling hopeless or disappointed at my prayers and cries that the season would end were not yet answered. Or I would feel really cross, really angry. This was not the plan. I had trusted God that if he had career plans for me, he would provide, he would look after us. He would look after my family and my children. Yet here we were in the chaos, sleep deprived, exhausted and hopeless. But God in his kindness was holding me and teaching me how to lift my gaze from the everyday struggles and to look up at him and to look up at his goodness. So we had to change our passwords every week. And by the time we got to joyful expectation of good 30 and joyful expectation of good 59, I could feel a tickle in my spirit every time I typed it in. Nothing had changed. I still had next to no sleep. I still had an ill child. Nobody could work out what was wrong with him. I was exhausted. But God had been beside me, getting me to practice and training me to lift my eyes to him. Despite the situation, despite the struggles, despite the pain, and like a good, good father, he knew exactly what I needed. He was teaching me, he was getting me to practice, he was beside me, and just as he knew me, he knew I needed to repeat this every 10 minutes. He needed to drum it into my head. And it did get easier each time. Remembering was a little bit more spontaneous each time. Turning from hopelessness to a joyful expectation of good became a tiny bit more instinctive each time. And sometime during this period, I realized where this phrase came from. So I liked the amplified version of the Bible which uses the familiar sort of churchy English, um, but expands the meaning according to the cultural context of the time in sort of parentheses. And throughout the New Testament, every time St. Paul uses the word hope, in parentheses was the phrase, joyful expectation of good. So as a good, good father, God knew exactly what I needed. Hope in a time of disappointment. Hope in the long, dark night. And so patiently and repeatedly, he taught me how to focus on his promises and to remember his goodness. And so to let me be filled up repeatedly again and again. Now, if you're wondering how all of this relates to kings and prophets, we're going to look at the story of King David, who faced disappointment well. And the text is in the book of the first Samuel. Um, and we start with David being 
the youngest son who is sent out to look after sheep at the tender age of eight. So I can see this little eight-year-old boy going off in the field. The nearest grown-up was probably half a day's journey away. And as the sun begins to set, I can sense the fear rising in this little child. With each noise, there was fear, there was hopelessness, there was, there was a paralyzing, what is this noise? And I think that it was in these dark nights that God himself taught David. In Isaiah 54, God says, I myself will teach my people. Or in another translation, I myself will teach my children. And God's timelines are so different to ours. God knew the promise that was on this little boy's life. This little boy would grow up to be a great king, a man after his own heart, and God nurtured that in the depths of the night. And as this little child froze with each noise in the night, as he was paralyzed by fear, as everything in him, I think, stiffened, and he looks up in the darkness, you can almost hear him cry out, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And I think gently, patiently, God turned David's heart to look up towards him, to the Lord who made the heavens and earth. And God turned his, his, his gaze from the, from the fearful darkness to look up at hope. And although surrounded by darkness and chaos and uncertainty and the unknown, David learned that he was surrounded by a loving God, the creator of heaven and earth. And I think this probably happened a hundred or thousand times every night, again and again. And such that when the prowling lion and bear finally appeared, this little child had his senses and mental faculties trained. And rather than freeze at the sight of a scary lion or bear, he instinctively lifts his eyes and turns and looks straight into the eyes of his father certain that he who watches over him does not slumber. The Lord was at his right hand and would keep him from all harm. And I think in that process, his fear and timidity had turned to great boldness. And with a sound mind, he picks up this rock and, and, and slings it. His eyes were, were, were trained on the promises of God. Such that when he finally comes to face the giant Goliath, he was practiced. He had the testimony of the victory of the over the lion and the bear. His eyes were trained on the promises of God. And he boldly declares, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me. And, and you know the story. David kills Goliath. He's celebrated. By this time, the prophet Samuel had anointed David so David had a glimpse of the promise. He was going to be king. And he moves into the palace, becomes best friends with the king's son, and marries the king's daughter. So all seems to be going according to the promise of God. And as we read on to chapter 30, we're now about 10 to 13 years after Samuel had anointed David to be king. And in this time, David had endured more difficulties and persecutions, chaos and rejection 
than many of us will face in a lifetime. He probably didn't expect it to take so long to be king. Saul got wind of a song that was being sung in the city, Saul of Saul's thousands, David 10,000. And consumed with jealousy, he launched a campaign to kill, kill David. And so David flees, goes into hiding. He has very few followers left. And, and, and towards the end of um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see David losing a battle. He's returned to see his wife taken captive, along with all the women and children in the camp. And here's his last few men talking about stoning him. And the text says, David was greatly distressed, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. David was greatly distressed, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. This sounds to me like the chaos of teething all over again. David had his senses and mental faculties trained in the long dark nights as a shepherd child. He had heard God's promises through the prophet Samuel. He had tasted victory in slaying Goliath. He could testify to God's goodness. But here we are again in the chaos of confusing pain and disappointment. He's hounded by Saul, his men turning against him. And when David stood alone, completely alone and disappointed, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And he believed in the promises spoken over his life and he chose to lift his eyes. He chose, chose to walk in the word he had heard, even when circumstances were completely opposite to, 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 to them. David had grown teeth and eaten meat that had made him strong. And he now had spiritual muscles. He could look disappointment in the face and see hope in a God mighty to save. In the midst of chaos, he chose to stand on God's promises, on every single promise of a mighty God, on every promise of an unchanging God, on the word of a God that never let go, the promises of a God who loved him. And this was the pivotal moment in the story. In the next verse, everything changes quickly. David leads his men to victory. He recovers everything, including his wife. Saul falls on his sword and dies, and David becomes king. So we're, we're just going to go into a time of ministry now, because we just really want to pray for the promises that God has um, on, in each of our hearts, promises that... that Maybe we've forgotten promises that seem so far away that, um, that may be buried by disappointment. And um, we're just going to get the, um, the, the worship band to come back. And, and if you close your eyes and just let the words of this song wash over you, um, we, we also really want to pray for those, those who feel that they're in this endless season of teething. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to fill us up with hope and joy. The Holy Spirit comes, comes with us, comes down into the pit of our disappointments, into our, our situations and struggles, and is with us, filling us up, but also sits with us, teaching us, training us, helping us practice, patiently, repeatedly. And he knows us through and through. He gives each one of us 
individual strategies to, to, to draw strength from him. He restores us as we practice drawing strength from him. The Holy Spirit turns our fear and timidity into courage, boldness, and gives us a sound mind as we face the challenges of life each day. can separate us you are for me what can stand against us your love it won't let go your love it won't darkness shadows have no power over me fear is empty shame has no authority your love it won't let go your love it won't for i know your thoughts your plans for me are good and i know you hold my future and my hope your promises never fail your promises never fail your promises never fail your promises never fail. Healing, freedom, as you speak favor over me. Faith is breaking all impossibility. Your name has overcome, your name alone. For I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good, and I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail, your promises never fail, your promises never fail, your promises never fail. And I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. Oh, Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. 
I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name, for I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good, and I know you hold my future and my hope, your promises never fail, your promises never fail. 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 Thank you, Lord, that your promises never fail. Let's stay engaged with the Lord. Do you want to stand? We're going to receive more of the Holy Spirit now. Just keep your attention fixed on the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're so good. Thank you that your promises never fail. We invite you, Lord, come strengthen those promises in our hearts. Pour out your Spirit, we pray. Come and fill us again. New things we receive from you. The Lord's doing something new in our hearts today just let it let let him come in in your heart just wait we'll wait now while the spirit roams thank you lord Just stay quiet for a minute. Just let the Lord speak in the peace of your heart. some of you there's a new promise perhaps you've not known the promises of God perhaps you've heard people talk about God and you can tell you could tell me what you know of God but now the Lord is going to take you into relationship with him if that's you receive the presence of the Lord receive his love for you now and his goodness and if you want that you should just say in your heart that I turn to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For those in that situation, we bless them, Lord. We, we thank you for the work you're doing in them. And we, we pray for more, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For some, it's old promises that you've forgotten, that the Lord has stirred up as Manita spoke to us. Things you've, you've, they just don't seem possible. Things you wanted and have disappointment because they've taken so long to come to fruition. So let that disappointment fall off now in the name of the Lord.
He is setting you free from disappointment. Disappointment separates us from the Lord. Don't, don't, own this, the, don't own that. Thank the Lord for his goodness in your heart and turn to him. Turn to him in that area. And his life and light will flood your heart as we stand here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you didn't know that you were growing spiritual teeth. But now you're getting hungry for meat. Lord, stir up that hunger. Well, I, I guess there are people in two categories. Some of you know you're hungry and, and the teeth are coming through. But some of you m might be thinking, I didn't know I was hungry, but that explains something. So we, we ask, Lord, that you, you either increase our hunger for more of you, for uh, meteor teaching, for to, to just to grow up in you, Lord. And for those who, who, who know it but feel it isn't happening, would you explain, Lord, to us what it is you're doing, and would you, would you accelerate that growth? Now, if the Lord has been speaking to you, I want to, if, if you know that, if you feel something funny, a tingle or the peace of the Lord on you, or, or perhaps you, you feel, uh, what, tears or perhaps a bit warmer than normal, I want to ask you to come to the front where we'll pray for you. If you're more comfortable, you can stay where you are, and we're, we're going to worship a bit more, and the Lord is going to continue to minister. Keep your eyes fixed on him and be excited because he's doing a new thing in, in your lives, each of us, but he's doing a, a new thing, I believe, in our church today. He's stirring us up. He's, the, the, the teaching we need to brought us is about going on to bigger and better things because we've got to believe, we need a sound mind to stand on the promises of God because it doesn't, it, it hardly ever looks as rosy as the promise actually is. So receive, receive that ability from the Lord to, to grow up in the Spirit and to stand firm and to, 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 to work with the Lord in, in all of that. Does, is, is there anyone who wants to respond to a word of prayer? Did anyone want to come forward for prayer? You could ask someone next to you. Otherwise, we're going to... Yeah, it'd be great. Um, maybe if a few of the, the welcome team or if you're on the prayer ministry team or... If you love Jesus and you love praying, just um, if, if you're part of the welcome team or prayer team or love praying, just to, just to come and stand at the front or to the side. Um, and as we worship, um, there'll be those guys at the front that would just love to pray for you. As, as Stu said, if anything uh, in Juanita's talk or what Stu's just said has, has really spoken to you, um, take this opportunity. God really wants to, to move and speak into your heart. So um, we're going to worship together. Again, if that's you, uh, there'll be people at the front to pray for you.